it seemed quite fearless. This thing had ultimate power. This was something that had done something to my child while I was right there. What next? A broken bone? Worse still, I'd wake up and she wouldn't be alive. Do ghosts exist? It felt like it was circling, creeping deeper into our lives. If not, why do we see them? Now it's kind of got you by the throat and you think maybe there's something here. Then I was worried and I never went back to the house. This is haunted. And she said to me, listen to me very carefully. If you want to live in that house, you just go and live there, but leave my daughter and my granddaughter here. They are not going back. I'm Danny Robbins. A few months ago, I put a post on social media asking for ghost stories. The response was overwhelming. Lots of people who'd had things happen to them they couldn't explain. Most didn't believe in ghosts, yet they had seen one. On Haunted, each episode will look at one of these ghost stories in forensic detail. Not just what happened, but why. This is episode one, the house that had to be sold. Noreen's story kind of fell into my lap. I was at a friend's when she came over. She heard I was looking for ghost stories, and she said, I have one. A ghost forced me to move out of my house. It's a real small town around here. Everybody, I everybody knows each other, but... In December 2005, newlyweds Noreen and Farwad moved into their dream home in Ealing, one of the quieter, more suburban boroughs of London, where Noreen had enjoyed a happy childhood. When we moved over to number 19, it was a whole different vibe there. It wasn't, it wasn't as friendly and it wasn't um, at all welcoming. It was just really strange. How many people have you told your story to? Um, I think totally in the last 12 years, probably six or seven, but um, was not that, many. Was that because you were worried about how people would judge you? Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. Because it just sounds, sounds nuts. It does sound crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that dream home, we'll call it number 19. I was expecting my eldest daughter then, she was due in January. Within, I think, the first two weeks, we were burgled. We were uneasy in that house because of the burglary. I was really angry that it's my family and I can't protect them. There was nothing could have been done, but you know, it was out of my control. Four weeks later, I had my daughter and things started happening. All the best ghost stories start with a laying out of credentials. Why we should trust the person telling the story. Why we should believe in their ghost. So, Noreen first. She's British Pakistani, born and bred in Ealing. Brought up Muslim, but in a relaxed, secular way. She's funny, energetic, with an infectious enthusiasm. And she doesn't believe in ghosts. I can't express how of an, a non-believer I am in these things, because I, I just think there's a rational explanation for everything, and I, 
I don't get it. I don't get this mental giving in to things that you can't touch, feel or see. I just can't understand it because I think then you just open up the doors to crazy world. And yet the crazy world came to your house. It came to my house. <laughs> I was there. You know, it happened to us. You guys are just, hey, you don't know. And we faced it. Farwad runs his own security firm, protecting high-end clients. He's big, physically imposing. There's a portrait of him on the wall, which Noreen commissioned. It's a pastiche of a film poster for a movie called Sarkar, the Bollywood version of The Godfather. Farwad as the lead character, arms folded, looking tough. Then I just don't want to go near anywhere near that place or house, even the street. So you'll drive the long way around to avoid the house? Just to stay away from it. Wow. This is the thing that intrigues me. Just how frightened they were. So, what happened at number 19? So I was washing up by the window, facing the garden, and to my right was the steriliser unit. If you've had a kid, you'll know these. You fill the bottom with water, put some baby bottles in it, fix the lid and put it in the microwave. They're big, round and solid. And the lid flew across the room behind me like that. And it went that far, probably so you further. You've a book over there, and that's maybe 10 feet? And I remember taking off my gloves and walking to go and get it and thinking, what? <laughs> That's weird. And then just carried on again. Sleep deprived, new baby. I'm sure I've done something wrong. And then put it back. And then a few days later, exactly the same thing. It was literally like somebody had hit it with the back of their hand or, you know, just pushed it really violently. There are people who would call this a poltergeist. Well, I, d- I wouldn't know the difference between a ghost and a poltergeist. What would the difference be? You've seen the movies, right? Poltergeists are ghosts that get physical. They throw, smash, pinch, punch, trip. Actual cases are incredibly rare. Or at least, reported cases. Would you admit you saw an object fly across a room? One evening I was working in the kitchen and uh, my husband came out the front room and was talking to me up the stairs. He said something like, do you want a cup of tea or something simple. Then he, he said to me, can you hear me? And I said, I'm downstairs. And he said, well, I thought you were upstairs because your toothbrush is on. And it was a quiet house. The baby was sleeping. It wasn't very big. And my toothbrush sounds like an industrial motor, so you can hear it. He ran upstairs to go and have a look. I went up after him. My toothbrush was wet. It wasn't vibrating, but it was just wet, like it had been used. It just became one of those other things that we couldn't explain. Unlike Noreen... Farwad grew up in rural Pakistan, brought up on stories of spirits that Muslims call jinn. I think it's a a cultural thing as well because they grow up with people being a lot more vocal about stories and they live in old properties. He lives in a, grew up in a family compound where they had aunts and uncles from generations and generations living in this vast house with lots of space and lots of land. So they are more in tune to these stories where, you know, I grew up here in West London, we don't hear these things. Tell Danny about the pushchair, says Farwad. Like most new parents, they always park their baby stroller in the hallway, by the front door. One morning, I was getting the pushchair ready, and I noticed a dent on the handle. It was made out of very, very strong plastic. It was a good quality piece of equipment. I opened the pushchair and I noticed that the handle had a big dent in it. And the dent was curved. It was almost like it had been hit with a metal rod. It made this 
deep curved, perfect curved impression. Looking back at that point, I felt that this was something now that was part of the collection of unusual things that were going on and I could not explain. This is when I started thinking that something beyond my understanding was going on and something I would say is supernatural, something that was supernatural because the pusher didn't leave the hallway because I didn't like the wheels in the house. There wasn't a radiator in the hallway. It would never have left that perfect, perfect dent. Until now, the strange events at number 19 had all been directed at objects, not people. But one day, that changed. It was around 11 o'clock. Fawag was in the garden with the baby and she was in the bouncer. I just heard him yelp and hold onto his head. And, you know, he said, what the was that? I'd just been hit by a stone. Who the bleep, bleep, bleep threw a stone at me? And he instinctively looked up at, at where the stone came from. And I just followed his gaze and it was the house next door. It couldn't have been thrown from the next door neighbour's house because she was a blind lady in her 40s and I knew she was downstairs because she couldn't get up and down the stairs without help. So it was one of those other things. Maybe that stone was meant for Rania. We don't know. And it was quite frightening. After a while, Noreen didn't want to be in the house alone. I obviously became very, very... Yeah, fearful as a parent not as not scared of ghosts but scared of what this the, the power of this thing that I didn't understand I couldn't rationalise and I felt it was like taunting me to say look I can do this and I can do this and you're going to get out of here or what She sought sanctuary a few streets away with her mum She was barking mad but great fun She was so unconventional Known to everybody as Mrs Butt My father passed away in 1982 It was just my mother and I from about 1985, I think, onwards. So we'd spent a long time alone. So I knew her better than her husband, better than her other children. She was my husband. And then slowly towards the end of her life, she became more religious. And that just made me even, you know, even crazier because I just couldn't understand what she was on about. Strong, very really strong lady. Person. She knew she, a life... She didn't suffer falls. Yeah, she'd had life a very tough life. Lot. Life tested her a lot. And she just, you know, and I think she was an iron lady. Which is why she was... I was not allowed to get married until he had his own place. It was a condition on anybody marrying me was that they had to have their own property. But even the no-nonsense Mrs Butt was unnerved by entering number 19. But you could see that your mum was scared. My mum was scared. I'd never seen her scared. She was just constantly praying when she came to my house. She used to pray non-stop. What was she scared of, do you think? A presence. There was something in the house and she felt it and she thought it was menacing. One of the reasons we're talking about Mrs Butt is that she was involved in the moment when the ghost went from being a series of unexplainable events to an actual physical manifestation. At a family party, Mrs Butt saw something, someone, standing behind Noreen's sister-in-law, Aisha. It's just the two of us standing there. My mum said, where's the other girl? What other girl? And she said, the one standing behind Aisha. And I said, well, there's no one here. My mum was really pale and very worried. And my mum was the toughest person I ever knew. There nothing faced her. She said to me, when I opened the door, there was a girl standing behind her. And she was wearing all white. And she was very, very fair. She acknowledged me. She just nodded her head when I said hello to her. 
My mum was really, she was literally perplexed. You could see her face just change. Coming up in part two, Farwad decides to fight back. So you were challenging the ghost to a fight? Yes. And it threw a hosepipe muzzle at you? <laughs> yes. And is baby Rania in danger? What was raging around our house, doing things to our child and to our possessions while we were sleeping, it then made us really scared. We thought this thing was going to kill my baby. These are my kids, Leo and Max. Becoming a parent is scary. You learn to live with fear every day. That they'll choke on a grape, fall down the stairs, drown in a bath or just stop breathing. And sleep deprivation. It does terrible things to you. You make mistakes, forget stuff. I'm pretty sure it can make you hallucinate. But one thing it doesn't do is melt push chair handles or throw stones. I'm, I'm fine. Baba, you're on speaker. After Noreen's mum saw the white lady, Fawad's dad, Jawad, came to stay to from Pakistan. Some, um, asked some questions about the um, haunted house. They didn't say much to him about the ghost. They didn't want to worry him. But after a few days, Fawad confessed to his dad he was worried their dream home was becoming a nightmare. And Jawad said, Well, son, I didn't like to say anything, but... I was sleeping at night. All of a sudden, my eyes opened. I saw a girl, she was wearing a white dress, standing in front of me, and all of a sudden, she vanished. Can you describe the white lady, what she looked like? She was hardly 17, 18, and she was wearing a bright dress. It was not a dream, it was real. Do you think it was a ghost? It was a human being. It was a human being. I don't know what to make of the white lady. She's a big deal. This is Mrs. Butt and Jawad actually seeing a ghost. But she's also the only thing that didn't happen directly to Nareen and Farwad. Doors opening. I felt like I needed a different perspective. So I took a trip out to the University of Buckinghamshire in the old market town of High Wycombe, set amongst rolling hills. It feels strange going to a university to meet a man who studies ghosts. <laughs> I've come here to meet an old acquaintance, Dr Kieran O'Keefe. He's the head of psychology at the university. So it incorporates text oh, from the dead text from the dead. emails from the dead and telephone calls from the dead. What about Tinder from the dead? He's a modern-day ghost hunter and, spoiler alert, he does not believe in ghosts. We listened to some of the interviews with Noreen and Farwad and then... Kieran wants to talk about something I haven't really given much time to because it didn't seem connected to the haunting. It's something not paranormal, but normal. Within, I think, the first two weeks, we were burgled. We were uneasy in that house because of the burglary, but we got over it and everything was fine. The impact of having a burglary can play havoc with our psychology. At its most extreme, we can suffer from PTSD. Now you're in a state of mind where you no longer feel safe in your own home. And that's affecting that couple. But potentially they've got that preying on their mind that they don't now feel safe in their own home because of that burglary. I have a whole load of questions for Kieran. First off, 
How can a baby sterilizer lid fly across a room? What makes it significant is it happening twice in her mind. But the entire description she gives of the lid coming off the sterilizer in the first instance, she's rationalizing it in the same way that I might. And she has very good rational explanations for what's going on. But she almost throws away all of those explanations when it happens a second time. And I was listening to the recording going, why? Kieran has another theory. Just like the old card trick, he wants us to follow the lady. The white lady. The feeling after the burglary, the lid coming from the steriliser, all of that happened before the sighting of the apparition. And Noreen can't really explain it. It appears paranormal, not sure what's going on. And now the mother says, I see somebody behind you. Now they've got something to latch on to. Listening to Kieran, I find myself doubting Noreen and Farwad. But then I remember the look in their eyes. I wish Kieran had been with me when I met them to see how genuine their fear was, and still is. I'm going to give you the believer's point of view here. Okay. Um, these people are very normal, rational people, and they, they moved into this house, which was their dream house. Then they moved out four months later. And that is, for me, very hard to understand. It feels very strange that that level of fear could be achieved but unfortunately, what we might be dealing with is two rational people who became instantly irrational as a result of the burglary. What I mean is that even if they hadn't had anything paranormal happen to them, having quite a significant traumatic incident, like being burgled when your wife is pregnant, turns you into somebody who's no longer rational. Could this be true? There was a lot of pressure on Farwad. The head of security, whose security had been breached, first by a burglar and then by a ghost. Kieran's theories have given me a lot to think about. But the story of number 19 is not finished. And what happened next is harder to explain. Like so many ghost stories, the scene is a child's bedroom. This is the day Noreen left the house, never to return. I picked Rania up from her cot and I noticed she had a mark, the top of her cheekbone, close to her right eye. And it was a really ugly bruise. It was about an inch and a half long, maybe four or five centimetres wide. So it was pretty vicious. I thought, well, something had happened to her in the night. Something must have fallen on her. Or she didn't have a mobile on the cot or anything. So well, I, I tried to wipe it off first to see if... I thought maybe something had spilt on her. You know, you think it might wipe it away and it would go, but it didn't. She was fine. She did not show, she hadn't woken in the night. She had not, you know, responded even when I touched it. It almost like it didn't even affect her, which was worse. It made it even weirder because if I'd pressed it and she'd winced or something, I would have thought, well, this is a bruise, but it wasn't. It was almost like an illusion of a bruise on her face. And it was very close to her eye. And that really really frightened me. And I interpreted it immediately as this thing um, was sending me a warning. This thing was showing me that it could come that close to harming my child. Now you're talking about a thing that was trying to harm your daughter. So was that the first moment you believed? That's the first moment when I put it all together and I thought there's no rational explanation and this now feels 
personal. It's almost like something was... It was coming to get you. It was coming, yeah. Because what next, you know? A broken bone, worse still, I'd wake up and she wouldn't be alive. That was a risk I wasn't going to take. Noreen was in a panic. As she tried to work out what to do, the phone rang. It was her mum with an urgent message. I told you Mrs Butt had been worried. Well, she was so concerned, she'd asked a friend, a very religious woman, to undertake a special Islamic ritual called Istikara, a sacred dream of prophecy. You pray a certain prayer, you ask for guidance, and you then sleep. Belief is that you'll be guided through your dream. The, the dream was of fire, the house was on fire. And I remember mum saying there was fire in the walls, that it was, mm. every part of the house was ablaze. It was, it was in its foundation almost, and there was smoke and there was screaming, and that was enough to put the wind up me, especially coupled with the eye. Then I was worried, and I never went back to the house. Noreen packed her bags and headed to her mum's. Farwad came to see her after work. He tried to take her and Rania back to number 19, only to find Mrs Butt blocking his way. And she said to me, listen to me very carefully. If you want to live in that house, you just go and live there, but leave my daughter and my granddaughter here. They are not going back. And at this time, I really got angry, and I had a few drinks, and I, and I went to the house. And let's come, like, man to man or whoever it is, let's, let's talk now, let's talk you business. Against the but did you really have a sense that you were going to go and confront it then? I've been thrown out of my house for something I've not seen or, you know, I really loved that house. It was a beautiful house. It was just like everything was perfect. I said, who are you? What do you want? I said, come talk to me. I said, I'm going to teach you a lesson. And come, show me yourself. And I came outside. Again, I said, okay, come on now. Flying object came in and landed in my feet. And it was the, uh, the hose pipe, or what do you call it, the nozzle? Uh, that was it. If it had hit my head or anything, it would have done like some serious damage. So you were challenging the ghost to a fight? Yes. <laughs> and it threw a hose pipe nozzle yeah. at you? <laughs> yes, that's what you... That, look, I still don't want to... I still don't want to believe it. And baby Rania? The following evening, when I looked at her, the bruise had completely vanished. And I call it a bruise. I said, that's how I translated it. There was, there was nothing, no other word I could give it. It didn't fade. It didn't change colour. It just disappeared. And it was like we had taken her out somewhere really evil and brought her somewhere where something good, something as powerful as that evil thing was able to undo and make it good again and make her complexion absolutely perfect. I knew there was nowhere I was ever going back to that house. There's something I want to ask Noreen about. A conversation we had that's been bugging me. Who was the first person to say out loud this thought that the house might be haunted? I, was, I think um, it was you. No, your mother said that to me. And then, then after that, I said, OK, fine. Because when I, the, the events were taking place and I said, there's something happening here. Her mother, was, she would talk to me and she would tell me, you know, you need to leave this house. And as I said, because I was thinking maybe the reason she's saying because she wants us to move back with her to 5A. to 5A and that's why she's just saying this thing but but then she stopped stopped coming to our house finally we're on our way to number 19 I just want to play devil's advocate mm. and give you the skeptics point of view mm -hmm. they might say your mum was lonely when you left her 
and she worked on Farwad to get him to believe that there was something wrong with the new house and then slowly he worked on you to make you believe it. What would you say to that? I think my mum was not the type to be so... Um, uh, Machiavellian? Machiavellian. <laughs> yeah. I don't think she wouldn't have the patience. She would have said to me, just come home, and that would have been it. She would have not. She would have been direct about it. Um, I, I don't know if I was suggesting that she was doing it consciously. I, I think no, I... A, a subconscious thing that, that she had this great sense of loss when you moved out. And so that, that new house was never going to feel good to her because, because, you know, it wasn't you living with her. I don't think so, only because when we, were, we, were, we left this house and we were going to buy another house, the, the last option was to buy her house. But she came with us to see loads of properties and she was all enthusiastic about it and she was all about the energy in the place. So I, I think, yeah, she felt a loss, but I think she felt very confident that we were always going to be close and we would always see her. When we get to number 19, it's strange. I'm not sure what I was expecting, but of course, it's just a house, bricks and mortar. It's what's inside a house that counts. People and emotions, like fear, but also love. I was touched by a moment that happened when we were leaving the new house to come here. Farwad said something to Nareen. Yeah, he asked me to say a prayer. Before, when we drive down the street, when I get close to the house, at some point, say a prayer. Well, he said that as we were leaving? As we were leaving, yeah. <laughs> joking or serious? Uh, i serious. Farwad was looking out for Nareen. He's the godfather. He challenges ghosts to a fight, dodges hosepipe nozzles, and ultimately sells his house to protect his wife and child. Farwad may have left number 19 behind, but the house hasn't left him. It will stay with me forever because the reason why even now when I come in, I go and check on my daughter Rania and I just go and make sure she's fine. So it stays with me and I, I sleep with the golf club <laughs> next to me. What would have happened if you'd stayed there? God, I don't want to think about it. I just don't want to think about it. Thanks to Farwad and Nareen for telling me their story. If you've had a ghostly experience, we'd like to hear from you. We're on Facebook and Twitter, or send an email to haunted at panoply.fm. Haunted is a chalk and blade production for Panoply. It was written and presented by me, Danny Robbins. The producers are Ruth Barnes, Laura Sheeter, and Simon Barnard. Music and sound design is by Pascal Wise. Jesse Brown painted our artwork. And special thanks to Ryan Dilley and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Until next time, sleep well. <laughs>